Shalom from Jerusalem and welcome back to another episode, a special episode of the Quran Podcast. Um, we are here at the first station, the Tachana Rishona, where things are just getting set up for Shavuot HaSefer, Hebrew Book Week here in Israel. Aryeh, what are we hoping to hear from folks whilst we're here? So of course, yeah, Shavuot HaSefer is a really exciting event uh, ev- every year. And this is even more exciting as obviously we had a break last year due to the pandemic. And we're looking forward to seeing lots of guests to our Corin stand. Here Corin um, obviously has one of the largest stands out of all the publishers here at Shavuot Sefer here in Jerusalem. And um, we have a huge range of uh, all of our books, um, Hebrew books, English books, um, Magid books, Corin books. Um, so much to find, lots of exciting new titles, so really, really great. And if we're lucky, we're going to get special visits from some of our incredible Koren, Magid and Toby authors. So uh, I hope yeah, you can all stick with us. Uh, we'll try and bring you uh, some short interviews with any special guests that happen to stop by. Um, and for our friends uh, in the diaspora, if you're not able to join us here, um, it's a shame. We hope to see you next year. Um, but you can find all of the books that are available here uh, at coronpub.com and you can use the promo code podcast at checkout, which will give you the usual 10% off. Uh, and at the moment, if you spend $30 or more at coronpub.com, uh, you can also select a free gift from us to you. Uh, so, Ari, we need to get back to work. Um, so, let's go. So I'm very excited to be joined by Shira Lankinshaps, who is the author of Layers um, and the founder of the Layers Project. Um, first of all, thank you for joining us here at Shavuot Sefer. Um, for the very few listeners who don't know about the book yet, can you give us the elevator pitch of what it is? Sure. So Layers is uh, it's a book of 34 stories of Jewish women living here in Israel, talking about what I like to call the challenges and the triumphs of their lives, really trying to break through taboo, break through stigma, talk about things that people really don't usually talk about in a nuanced, really fully fledged out kind of way. They're just beautiful stories with photographs of Jewish women living in Israel. I mean, the story of the book itself as well, and you told me personally, is... is a very interesting one. As in you made Aliyah and sort of essentially off the plane, uh, walked into an office and, and pitched the book. Can you tell, tell that story? That's that's exactly what happened. I, I actually I got to Israel on a Tuesday and Sunday. Somebody from a different publisher pitched the idea of the book to me, and it wasn't a good fit with that publisher. But I knew that it would be a good fit with Karen. Within the month, I was in your offices, sitting down with the whole team, and they were pitching the book. Um, as hard as I was, everybody was really excited about it, and within my first month of Aliyah, I started working on the book, which was so insane. And the book is, is very, very popular. It's, it's amazing. It's a real testament to, to the work that you do. What was your... How did the Layers Project, not just the book, but you know, on, online, the magazine, how, how did that come about? Sure. So the Layers Project was born because I decided that there were certain stories in the community that weren't being told. There were certain people that uh, weren't... Uh, the uh, women really weren't, weren't being seen, their experiences weren't being seen, and also a lot of um, Jewish media spaces were removing the images of women. And so I figured that in order to kind of uh, balance that, we needed to tell more stories of women, we needed to really get into it, we needed to kind of like shatter the stigmas that were holding us back, that were keeping us othered and isolated, and through this modicum of sharing, uh, connecting and healing, it's, it really took off. Which of the stories in the book do you think is, or have you found to be the most inspiring? 
if there is one? Oh, it's so not a fair question. Oh, I mean, there are certain stories like Ahava Muna Lange, you just can't, uh, you just, you can't ignore it. You, it's, it's so incredibly inspiring. It's just, uh, it's a woman uh, living and loving through cancer and it's it's there's nothing like it there's nothing like it she she passed away about a year and a half ago I'm getting all emotional in the stand of the middle of the book fair but uh, she passed away about a year and a half ago maybe two, two years ago I think the summer um, she left such an incredible legacy in this world she really taught us so much about living through hardship with love and with faith and so you mentioned sort of leave, leaving a legacy um, and perhaps a, a an extreme example um, you know the book shows the story sort of at a moment in time you know, the, the story in the book is someone has to end and it, it will exist for a long time people and hopefully even more volumes in the future um, but what what lessons have you learned personally what lessons do you want people to learn from the book itself from following you on social media from the women in the book from those who haven't yet been featured I think that what I want people to know is I want people to know that they're not alone I want people to know that there are so many people in the world who experience similar things that they do and that they're not strange, they're not different, and they belong within our community. Just because you're experiencing something that isn't often talked about doesn't mean that you belong on the outside. We want you inside. And I think that the most important thing that I learned is the incredible resilience and power of Jewish women. Just like the things that we can experience, the way that we can keep going, the way that we can keep propping up our communities, loving our families, and self-actualizing is something that is just, you can't help but walk away with that message. And so you said that you know the, the original inspiration behind the book and behind layers was for women to be able to tell their stories and to be represented and put in the spotlight, uh, which is something that Corin tries to do from an academic point of view and in, in, in the Torah world as well. Have you seen personally a shift uh, in communities of other women, but also men, starting to sort of open their ears and listen to the stories and being open to? listening to women either to the stories they're telling or to the things that they're teaching not just you know their personal experiences but the ideas they have to share um, I definitely think so I think we are we're in a new era and uh, with education and uh, you know full sense of professional lives we uh, as women <laughs> have a lot to offer and so I definitely think that the community I mean I'm looking right here at everything you have to offer there are so many incredible female scholars many of them are my own teachers and um, they are they're ready to teach they have so much to offer and in terms of stories you know I think that people are very are, are floored by listening to women's stories because they're just things you don't you've probably never heard before um, which sounds crazy because you know you're close with your mother you're close with your sister you have friends but hearing it in this kind of form where a woman gets up and, and, and speaks about her experiences in a really um, intentional way for the purpose of healing others and relinquishing shame is really transformative and I literally get questions every single day when am I going to do this for men <laughs> because I think that men also are looking for a space to express themselves emotionally and and we're talking about healthy conversation we're talking about cracking open things that are unhealthy and bringing them out into the light I think that's everything right you know a layers for men would be very interesting I mean something as well that I, you know, I, I heard through the grapevine I'm not sure it's in the book necessarily but this some of these women who are telling the story in the book or online they're often telling the story for the first time it's something you, you know you mentioned you know your sister you know your friend your mother whatever um, but sometimes it's the women telling the story for the very first time um, you know was that your intention to create a space for women to even share stories with those closest to them and you know everyone else can just listen in or was that something that happened by the by what's what are your thoughts there 
I don't know if that was my intention, but it is a beautiful outcome because I think that what happens is because uh, I'm a clinical social worker and Lair Rachel Herkman, who is the clinical director over at Layers, um, she also clinically edited this book and wrote the forward. We're therapists, and so when you work in conjunction with us, we create a narrative together that's of your choosing and that it's safe for you. And so, um, you know, I think that sense of safety and that sense of curating really what you want to say, I mean, there's a whole form of therapy around it. It's called narrative therapy, where you get to d dictate and determine what your own narrative is. Um, you get to retell your story in, in the way that serves you, that's healthy for you and safe for you. So I think it's actually a beautiful outcome. I never really thought about it that way, but it's a great question. Thank you very much. So Shira, thank you so much for joining us uh, here at Shirohas Affair. The book has been such a massive source of inspiration for so many people, myself included, um, and it's a real testament to all of your hard work. So thank you for joining us, thank you for inspiring all of us. Um, I know that you mentioned you wanted to pick up a book of one of your teachers, Yael Ziegler. Her book has just arrived in the country, uh, so I'll let you do that. Um, and I hope you stick around for a little bit as well. Thank you. We're now joined by Judy Klitzner, author of Subversive, Subversive Sequels in the Bible. Judy, thanks so much for joining us here at Shabbos Ephraim. It's my great pleasure and it's so exciting to be here with all the crowds, especially after a year of being shut in at home, see people here and united around buying books. What a beautiful thing. So yes, yeah, so it's really great to be here. Your book is obviously here as always featured uh, in our stand here at Shavuot Sefer. Tell us a little bit about your book and what readers can expect to find. With pleasure. Um, my book is basically what I like to what I like to say it exposes the vibrant conversation that is going on all the time between biblical stories. Stories are in a kind of dialogue with each other. Um, if we pay close attention when we read, we notice how they borrow each other's language, they borrow each other's themes. There's a lot of cross-referencing going on if we, if we, if we really zoom in and pay attention. Um, and what my book does is to just follow the lead of those stories, draw them together, uh, and see what is the what is the gain by viewing stories not just in a vacuum but in light of, of their parallels. Um, for instance, if I ask you just just out of the blue, what do these two biblical stories have in common? The story of Noah and the flood, and the story of Jonah, Jonah the prophet who ends up inside of a fish. Um, and if I asked you that question, uh, you would probably right off the bat come up with all kinds of parallels. On the most basic level, they're both. They're both, uh, they both deal with a lot of water, they deal with, they have people on boats that feature very central, have a central feature in the story. Um, both of them, um, both of them deal with um, a sinful population that is under, under threat of destruction. Uh, and then when you, when you, when you move in even more closely, you find that there's so much more that they have in common. For instance, um, the, the centrality of a character who is a Yonah. Right, the dove in the story of, 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 of Noah and Yonah, who is the, the title character in the, in the book of Yonah. Forty days. Um, when you start noticing these parallels, you notice that not only are they parallel, but in many cases there's actually inverse relationships between the stories. And that's the subtitle of my book, How Biblical Stories Mine and Undermine Each Other. They, they draw on each other's language, they draw on each other's themes, not only to draw them together in order to expand and interpret one another, but actually sometimes we, we, we're drawn, the stories are drawn together to see how one challenges the other and sometimes in what I like to call in the most subversive way, actually can end up overturning the story. And this is the dialogue that I'm looking for. I, my, my book uh, is divided into six chapters. In each chapter, I have a pair of stories that play off of each other. 
um, and I think that the results are, um, are, are, are always fascinating. So one question I wanted to always ask you, obviously on the cover we have the picture of Migdal Bavel, so why yes. was that the picture that was chosen? Okay, thank you so much for asking that, because while the stories of Noach and Yonah might be a very intuitive match, um, the, the, the story of uh, Migdal Bavel, you might, if I asked you what its biblical parallel is, you might not immediately think of the story of the enslavement in Egypt and the midwives. However, when you think about words like Hava and Pen, um, come let us, lest something terrible will happen. And there are only two places in the entire Bible where those those terms appear. And then we, 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 we that that opens opens us up to looking even more closely to find many, many more parallels between the two stories. And what I've developed in here is how these stories are ultimately uh, about a kind of suppression of the individual and what is necessary in order for uh, for salvation to take, for redemption to take place. So in the last couple of years, your book joined our Magid Tanakh Companion series in a new hardback edition. Um, I wanted to ask you, are there any, do you have a favorite other volume apart from your in either of our Magid studies in Tanakh or Magid Tanakh Companions? If not, it's okay. Uh, I have or to tell you, I haven't shopped yet. I came straight here. Uh, but I'm seeing all kinds of intriguing looking things. Um, my eye goes directly to the series on Tanakh, this wonderful series. Um, I have some colleagues at the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies who have written, um, and so I very much look forward to uh, taking a better look. Great, and obviously yes. you can check out in that series um, our books that we published in partnership with Pardes with Rabbi Michael Hattin on Joshua and Judges, and Rabbi Alex Israel on Kings 1 and Kings 2. Precisely. Definitely recommended. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Uh, Come to Shavuot HaSefer, buy books. Uh, so we're joined now by uh, Dr. Yael Ziegler and Rabbi Ruben Ziegler um, at Shavuah Sefer. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is particularly exciting for you, Yael, because um, tonight was the first time you were able to see uh, your newest book, uh, Lamentations, uh, Faith in a Turbulent World. Uh, so first of all, Mazal Tov. Um, if we could ask, what... Uh, why Eicha? Um, you've written the book on, on Ruth, obviously, um, but why? Uh, what was your inspiration? What was the thinking behind doing Eicha next? Well, one thing is, is that I like to write books about a topic that I've been teaching for many years. And actually, the first course that I ever taught in Midrash at Maria in 1992 was Chamesh Megillot. You can see my first book is on Ruth. My second one is on Eicha. Uh, both of these books are short enough that you can really offer an in-depth analysis. Um, and I think that Eicha is a particularly important book because it really addresses some fundamental human issues like how we cope with suffering and how we as a nation have been able to survive many different experiences and to emerge from it a stronger and more resilient nation who also is able to have a relationship with God, not just, uh, be, not just in spite of the suffering, but maybe even through the suffering. So the question we have to ask, you know, you said you said you started teaching this topic 30 years ago almost, um, but obviously the last year and a half or so has thrown up many many challenges. Did any of that inspire, create any changes to the content of the book, uh, or is it really just a, a refining of, of your life's work? Sorry, there you go. Uh, the book was actually ready to go to print as Corona was starting. Uh, so really the only change that, I mean, I, I, I worked on the book and I, you know, I, I rethought some of the ideas in the book, but the only really change that, that can relate to Corona was in the uh, epilogue where I spoke a little bit about 
about you know the experience of Corona and what I think very very briefly how I think this book also can relate to some of the experiences but because I had really basically completed writing the book before Corona I would say that that didn't really <laughs> didn't really play a role um, and Ronnie Ruben um, asking you a number of the books that you've worked on personally Return and Renewal Oswa Anava your own book uh, on, on Russell Levachik uh, are all here um, obviously I, I assume it's, it's quite special working on uh, editing a, a book that your, your wife has written um, how does it feel to be you know, the editor of Magid of Corin uh, to come here and see all the people you know, the, the stand is, is full it's been busy uh, since we opened in, in, in all week um, and there's been a lot of people coming to ask about Yael's new book. Um, just from a professional and even a personal point of view, yeah, how, how does that feel? Oh, being here at Shavuot Sefer is just tons of Yiddish anachis because the people are so excited by the books and so many different types of people. Uh, you know, young, old, religious, non-religious, Haredi, Dati Lumi, just everyone imaginable. And each one finds things that are good. And I can also recommend the books without reservation. It's like, I think it's very rare for a publishing house to have no books that they're not happy with, embarrassed by, that they had to publish for whatever. No, every single book here I can recommend with great enthusiasm, even if I don't agree with what's written in every book. But I think they're all high quality, well written, well thought out, contributing to the discourse. And so I just uh, tremendously enjoy seeing people, you know, pick up, especially, I mean, I get extra nachas when they pick up a book that I worked on personally, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the Rav Soloveitchik or Rav Lichtenstein or, you know, various other books here. But uh, all it's, it's really just pure simcha. And um, so I'll ask both of you. Uh, Ronnie, you have to you have to keep your professional hat on uh, to answer. But aside from your own books, um, what are the ones that you think are sort of the most the uh, the must reads uh, from currently, either from the Magid Sadiq Tanakh series, for which you know, you've contributed two volumes, but you know any must reads from the MST series or from anywhere else, and and from yourself, Ronnie, you know which, which are the must reads, the the unsung heroes perhaps of uh, of of the catalogue. Well, I don't know if I would call this an unsung hero, but my unreserved, um, you know, recommendation right now is Avigail Pupko's book on Parshanei Hamikra. Avigail Rock's book. Sorry, I used her maiden name on Parshanei Hamikra. It's just a wonderful book. I think it's a terrific contribution. It's enjoyable. It's well written. It's informative, and it should be on every person's bookshelf and and should be read. It should be taken off the bookshelf as well. I mean. Yale took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be my <laughs> recommendation. And when I was here last night, I recommended it to basically everyone who came. And we ran out of copies halfway through the night because it was sold out. Uh, but there's really a lot of new, exciting books. Uh, there's a, a book in Hebrew by Oriam Mavorach that we can't keep in stock, which Emir Tzashem will come out in English also. Um, there's uh, there the and then there's our series. You know, the the Magid Studies in Tanakh series, the Magid Modern Classics, like. These are books that, that, especially the Magid Modern Classics, these are books that people will still be reading in a hundred years. And we had the schut to put them out. So, so you know, I, and uh, there are a lot of other unsung heroes. For example, we republished uh, la a year ago uh, the book uh, Judaism's Encounter with Other Cultures. That is a classic. That book was a met mitzvah. It was out of print for 20 years. It was so good. It was, it was a sin that it wasn't in print. So we bought the rights and we republished it. And, and so... Every time people open it, they say, wow, how come I never heard of this? And now, and, and they're snapping it up 
There's the uh, there's the excellent books from the Strauss Center, uh, Torah and Western Thought, Books of the People. Um, I mean, you see here I'm sort of tending towards uh, philosophy, but also in the Tanakh realm, I mean, you know, we have both of the Magid Tanakh, Tanakh Companion series, which are really interesting. The books by the new books by uh, Yoni Grossman on Bereshit, his forthcoming book on on Avram Avinu, uh, etc. So it's it's like it's almost like saying who's your favorite child, <laughs> but uh, they're really great choices here. So yeah, I can see you leafing through the book. It's the first time you've held it in your hands, so I don't want to keep you for too long. I want to give you the chance to, to go off and, and really sort of enjoy the moment. Um, before I do, we were talking to Shira Lankin-Shaps earlier, uh, author of Layers and uh, a student of yours, um, and she was talking about how, uh, we was talking about the, the importance of, of uh, women feeling represented uh, in print, in books, in the Jewish world. Um, and so I wonder... How does it feel, first of all, to be one of those women at the forefront of Jewish scholarship, um, and not ad, not just as a woman, but as a real Torah scholar um, at the forefront of just modern Orthodox Torah teaching? Um, and what would you say to any aspiring uh, authors, male or female? You know, what should they be doing now uh, into the future to, to make sure that they can join you on the bookshelf? Uh, well, first of all, I think it's just a great privilege, and I feel every day fortunate to have been born when I was born, and to be part of this movement, this ex this wonderful group of women learning Torah. Certainly, we've had opportunities, and we're privileged in ways that women in past generations have not been privileged, and, and we're, we're furthermore privileged to learn Torah here, or I am privileged to learn Torah here in Israel, which is something that I don't take for granted at all. So both being a woman in this time period and being able to live in Israel in this time period, both of these things are, I think, certainly went into some of my emotions in, in writing this book, in having the opportunity to sit in Rebuilt Yerushalayim and, and write this book. Um, and uh, what do I wish for women? I, I, I wish for women to love Torah and to uh, have every opportunity to continue their learning of Torah and to uh, continue to spread Torah and learn to go Torah together. Thank you very much. Again, mazal tov to, to you both. Yeah, on, on your new book, We're running this your, I think, third appearance on the current podcast. So thank you. You know, we have to keep coming, uh, bringing you back. Um, but mazal tov. One recommendation. I'm looking at the people <laughs> at the checkout counter and I'm seeing what they're holding. So you know, there's obviously a lot of Rabbi Sachs and there's Rabbi Wiederblank's book and there's and Rav Steinsaltz, but but two books that I can't let the opportunity pass without recommending. Josh Berman, Animamin, Amnon Bazak to this very day. I just want to say that people don't know this. Rabbi Sachs about three years ago said, I don't have time to endorse books anymore because I won't endorse books unless I read them first. And he was just too busy working on his Tanakh translation project. So he asked us to not send books for endorsement to him. And, uh, and then, but a year ago, he said, I want to make an exception for two books. Josh Berman's Animamin and Amnon Bazak's to this very day. These are supremely important books. I want you to send them me advanced copies and I want to write endorsements for them because this is what thousands of students from students going out to campuses, they don't know how to deal with the issues that they're being uh, faced with. And there are answers for this. And these are two very deep, comprehensive treatments of the subject. So he insisted on endorsing them. And those were the last two endorsements he wrote in his life. And if you look on the back cover, you'll see very warm endorsements. And he also took a very rare step. He wasn't a big person for email. He, but he took the time to write an email specifically to us 
to say, I just want to say how happy I am that you published these. So, what greater endorsement than that? Uh, a great endorsement indeed. And they are two books that we receive a lot of feedback on. And Rabbi Berman was on the podcast uh, not long ago talking to Rabbi Jeremy Weider from YU. Uh, about different approaches to teaching Tanakh, especially in the modern world. Um, so, yeah, definitely people should should uh, pick those up. Um, but again, thank you both so much for taking time to talk to us. Yeah, Al Mazeltov uh, on your new book. Um, so thank you again. Um, and Mazeltov, uh, everyone should be picking up uh, a copy of Lamentations and hopefully we'll get you on uh, the podcast soon uh, to talk in a bit more detail. Thank you very much. Okay, we are delighted now to be joined by, to- uh, by Dr. Tova Ganzel, author of uh, Magid Studies in Tanakh on Sefi Yechezkel, Ezekiel from Destruction to Restoration. Dr. Ganzel, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about, our, uh, about your book and what, what it's about, how it addresses this Sefer, maybe in a different way to other people have seen before? So I'll say the book of Yechezkel is a really unique book in the Tanakh, in the Bible, and the first reason is because it has, I'm going to start from the end, it has this amazing visionary temple in its last nine, ta- tem- uh, nine chapters. And what's amazing about it is that we all dive in and ask Kadosh Baruch Hu to rebuild Beit HaMikdash. But um, we actually don't have visualize it. We kind of think maybe it'll be like Beit Rishon, maybe it'll be like Beit Chani. Do we know exactly what the temples look like? And what's amazing about the Book of Echizkeh is that it has a very detailed plan of a future temple. Um, that, to my mind, should everyone should be fascinated with and try to figure out, is this what we're adapting for when we pray for our, our third temple, Be'ezrat Hashem, uh, every single day, three times a day. So obviously on the theme of the Beit HaMikdash, we're coming up to Tisha B'Av in three weeks. Why is this a good book to read in you know, this time of year? Well, it depends which part of the book you're asking about. First of all, I have to say that the dates of the Churban actually don't show up here explicitly except for a Sarabi TV. So if you're looking for the perfect time to read it, when the specific date shows up, then you should probably start from a Sarabi TV. But if we are talking about right before Tisha B'Av, then I will say that the first 24 chapters of the book, which are the first half, the book is very, very uh, orderly and has chronological order as close to other Navi Mahoni, so it's an easy read as far as that's concerned. We hear very, very clearly why the temple was destroyed. And we hear it from a prophet who's sitting in Bavel, the temple still sitting, standing alive in Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem think that maybe it will never be burned down. And the people in Bavel already know that it's the end. And he's basically out there trying to convince them that this temple is going to be destroyed. So the first chapters of the book are like the story of Tisha B'av in a very, very, uh, I would say, aggressive uh, manner, which Yechizkel um, does not, you know, his descriptions are very, very, very clear, very detailed sometimes very hard to read even emotionally. Then that part of the book ends with Yechezkel's wife's death, which really symbolizes the burning of the temple. After a group of chapters that deal with other nations, we have a restoration period. Uh, notice that I don't call it Geula. I call it really Tkuma, which would be restoration as opposed to, uh, you help me out here, retribution or something like that. Uh, and I would say that the reason is that there's this uh, coming up of the Israel and the land of Israel, but we don't hear Ahava, Chesed, Rachamim. We don't have a love story between Hashem and His people. We have um, this, I would say, story about it's time to come back to Israel, it's time to come back to the land. You guys haven't done tshuva, so I'll purify you, which we say often also on Yom Kippur. 
and there we go to the visionary temple. So it's really an amazing read, I think, also for Yutanim Tammuz, also for Tisha B'Av, also for Asa B'Tevit. Um, for Tzom Deliyah, I recommend Yav Niyau. I might correct me if I'm wrong in this, but uh, the, part of the, I guess, approach to the Magid Studies in Tanakh series is to combine classic, you know, parshanut and commentaries with more, you know, contemporary academic scholarship on Tanakh. Why is that, in particular, let's say, challenging with a sefer like Yechezkel? I don't know to say if it's challenging, but I will say that, first of all, some of the commentators, since it's very unique, um, I think in the, um, the Tanakh Bichlal. Uh, wrote Perushim for Yechezkel, chapters 1 to 39, and others wrote only from 40 to 48. And it depends what the Parshan was looking at, meaning, what, did he view these nine last chapters as an opportunity to discuss a future temple, or vice versa? If you look at these end of nine chapters as something that we really can't understand and should be left alone. So, when you look at the Parshanut, it's very, very interesting. Rabbi Eliezer Mubalgansi has a very interesting commentary in Yechezkel and among others. When we look at, um, I would say, the academic materials, and we're looking at Neo-Babylonian materials, we're talking about a prophet that lived in Babylonia, we have more and more uh, archives that are um, now being an underground, you know, digged and, and read, and we can understand much more than we could in the past about what Ezekiel's world really looked like. Um, and it's a challenge, it's a challenge to us to add, when we ask ourselves a question, in what way did the Babylonian world influence uh, the, Navi, the Navi's uh, prophet. Some things are very clear. For instance, his, some of his terminology. Uh, we already see, uh, for the first time, this transition of the name of the months from numbers to all such a, a name. We know the name of Tammuz comes up from the Damuzi of Adazara, that's in Yechezkel. So it's obviously very clear-cut that he was um, very well acknowledged with the culture that within it he lived, and it's part of our uh, trying to figure out what it looks like when a Jew's in the diaspora. Amazing. So yeah, you can find Dr. Ganzel's book Yechezkel here at Shavar Sefer. Dr. Ganzel, you also you mentioned you were walking here this evening, your local Yerushal meet. Why is Shavar Sefer an exciting event? Why should people come by? What can they expect to see here? Well, first of all, if you come to the Dukhan uh, of Koren, right where we're standing here, I'll say that in our house, even though we probably have about 20 Tanakhim, everyone's always fighting over the Koren's edition. Um, for someone who wants to read accurately, then the Pisuk and the Ta'amim and the way the Pisukim are in is very, very well. Um, it's hard to even read Aftar properly today, looking at the old Tanakhim, uh, let alone uh, if you have to stand in Shul uh, and you want to be very Meduyak in what you're reading. So my first recommendation would be here to come to the Dukhan of Koran and really see their new uh, Sidurim and new Tanakhim. Um, it's obvious that a lot, a lot of time and energy, but especially thought, is put into it. Uh, I am looking for the forthcoming translation of the coin to the Tanakh. I can tell you that I was looking at the Yechizkel verses, and I think it's going to be um, a big deal, something that hasn't been done in the past. And that's very exciting, coming later this year. Dr. Ganzel, thank you so much for joining us here at Shavuot Sefer. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Well, it's been an incredible night here in Yerushalayim at Shavua Sefer. Uh, we've had some of our authors come, um, you know, lots of uh, happy customers walking away with new Korean purchases. As Alex mentioned at the beginning, for those of you listening abroad, we highly recommend you paying a visit to Jerusalem in the future uh, for Shavua Sefer. And in the meantime, pick up all of the latest Korean Magid Topia releases through KorenPub.com. Alex, if you want to reach us, how can they do so? Uh, you can catch us on email. 
podcast at kyronpub.com or on social media at Kyron Publishers. Um, make sure when you do go to kyronpub.com, you use the code podcast at checkout for 10% off. And if you spend $30 or more, uh, you are able to select a little gift from us uh, for a limited time only. We'll be back again in two weeks uh, with our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, but until then, this has been the Korean Podcast. And have a great evening from here in Yerushalayim. <laughs>